Man, couldn't think of a better song to uh, introduce what we're talking about today. We are, I don't know if you see, uh, even see any, uh, if, if you can see the truth of what we just sang, if you have experienced that in your life or not, but uh, if, if you haven't, if you're still uh, grappling with the difference between religion and the truth or the simple gospel, which is who Jesus is and our ability to know him and be in relationship with him, if you're still grappling with that, this is a good day for you to be in church uh, because they, we're going to talk about a period of time in the life of Jesus and encounters, multiple encounters that Jesus has with people who had false impressions and ideas about who, God, who Jesus was. And their false impressions were not based on Jesus' own manifestations of himself, it was based on what religion had taught them and was trying to continue to press in to their lives at different levels. And so, man, I'm, I'm just excited about this message and, and the fact that God invites us to know him by experience, and that is the gospel. That's the good news, is that he's made a way for us to walk in relationship with him, even though we are, at best, horrible, at our best. Uh, Bill and I were talking about this this morning. About uh, he, was, he was mentioning Steve McVeigh, who we've we've studied his book Grace Walk uh, in our church when we were united uh, as one church, and walked through that as kind of a foundational idea or thought. But get this foundational thought in your mind. He gave the illustration in his book of of us walking in, getting on the tree of life, and walking in, to the wrong limb. We think that the, the tree of uh, good and evil, rather, that we would walk up on the, the tree of good and evil, and as long as we stayed on the good side, we'd be okay. But Jesus said he didn't want us to eat of the tree of good and evil, period. And it's both sides that mess us up. It's not just the side of evil, what's considered to be evil, that gets us messed up. It's the side of being good, trying to perform well enough. It's also sin. Our efforts to try and be something, to impress God, to earn something for ourselves from God, is, is ridiculous according to the gospel, and it's caused, it has caused through the years, throughout biblical history, we see it over and over again in the stories of Jesus, particularly in the New Testament and his encounters with religious people. And as we've been doing the study of Jesus, it comes through so clearly, but throughout history, that's been a, a huge issue, is that, that religion presses upon us a list of things to do and don't do in order to and with the, with the, also with the impression that, that we are going to earn something from God. We're going to earn God's favor by how hard we work and how much we do. And then if we walk outside of that pressure to perform, uh, that God will be displeased with us, and that's where all of uh, horrible circumstances in life come from, is us walking outside. And so there is no compensation for our sins. There is no... Uh, no imputed righteousness for us, given to us by Christ. And so today, we come across a passage that uh, illustrates so beautifully how Jesus deals with this idea. I want to open up with the main text that was going to be my text for the week. And as I started studying it, I had a whole lot more text that opened up. So we're going to do a lot of reading today and a little bit of talking. But I, I really hope, I really am praying that we as a body can, get, can grasp this idea. That it's, it's interesting to me, by the way, those of you who are 
our veterans and have served our country, thank you for your service and for our freedom, for, for fighting for that. But it's amazing to me also that, as always seems to happen, as we're preaching through a text, or as God puts us on a, on a quest as a church, that when it comes to a, a holiday like the 4th of July, I don't have to choose to preach on freedom. It just shows up in the text. So today's message is Jesus sets us free. It just happens that way. Yeah. And you're going to see how clear it is in the text that, that this is Jesus' message for us. So, you know, uh, I love Independence Day, the movie. I, I love that. You know, when they, they fight again, it happens to fall on Independence Day that they're, they're going to get their freedom now, not, uh, you know, as one nation from the aliens. You know, they're going to get their freedom and get their world back. And in some sense, I feel like we ought to take advantage of that because, they were taking Independence Day and giving it a new meaning. And for some of us, we are still bound. We're bound by our desire to be good, good enough and the pressures from the outside in this culture to, to, be, uh, to build our own righteousness up and try to earn something rather than being free in Christ, receiving his righteousness, and, and then moving from hearts that are passionate about a Lord that would do that for us and living the gospel, living it out in front of people and getting that message to a community that desperately needs it. So wherever you are today, you're going to find yourself in the story. I'm confident of that uh, because really two big categories exist here uh, and then Jesus exists. So we're going to find ourselves somewhere in the story. Um, So here we go. John chapter 7. Let me start with this text because this is the one I've been waiting to preach since we started this series and I'm not going to get to make the points that I wanted to make about this much. Okay, so here we go. John 7, this is where we were, 53 through 8, 11. They went each to his own house, uh, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came to the temple, came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? And they said that to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is out sin first uh, among you, Be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. And today's message is going to focus on the fact that Jesus sets us, sets us free. And we're going to see Jesus before, during, and after this encounter that he has with this woman. And his, his um, revelations of truth to people in, in multiple ways and different kinds of people in order to get them to the point of freedom, of being set free. We're going to see numerous attempts also from Satan to use people who are bound in bondage to uh, bound in darkness and bound in bondage to the law, 
trying to fight that effort of Jesus. It's a great message for us because we surely in some way are going to find ourselves, I think, still living in darkness and in need of Jesus coming and setting us free from that. I love this story because it illustrates what we were singing about a minute ago, and that is, God, we so desperately want to communicate to the community that we live in that you are a God of love and mercy who has given all to express your love to us. The greatest expression of love described in 1 John 4 is that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That, that God, all love comes from God. And if, if you're born of God and you know God, that's the only way that you can have this kind of selfless love that's always giving and expressing and putting others first. We want that, and we desperately need that in this community because somehow through the years, uh, religion has taken its toll, and all of us are, are, uh, have, are, have suffered the consequences of that. All of us, to one degree or another, have, been, have bought into religion, and, and uh, religion as we just described it, and we, we have found ourselves as empty as we were before we were in religion. So it's a message desperately needed that there are people out in this community that are expecting that the church is going to drag them uh, to, before God. And, and they think that God is a God who's going to agree with the, church, with, the, with the religious folks of this community and say, yes, you are a horrible sinner and you will be stoned to death. And certainly that's what we deserve. And that's the picture that that God was trying to paint when he gave that law, was that in, on our own and with our best efforts, uh, any time that we fail, we, we deserve death. And the wages of sin is death. But the beauty of what Jesus illustrates in this passage is that he is life. And even though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this woman experiences it. In this beautiful story. There are some other things that are learned in that story. And we're going to come back to it. But I want to set the pace or set the stage for us today. Uh, because some of you are coming in today and you don't know the truth about God. You, don't, you, you still haven't grasped the truth about who he is. And it's the truth that we'll see will set us free. It's the truth about who he is. The simple gospel. Not just what he did, but who he is. Who is behind what he did. It's the God who loves and loves sacrificially and loves to the point of death and giving all to, to win us to himself, to purchase our salvation. It's a God who sends his own son to die for us that we might be born again and come to new life in him and find our, our life in him. So for the context of this message, I want to go back to the beginning of what would have been and in, in, in what was for Jesus a week-long encounter with the people in Jerusalem, the most religious city and the most religious people uh, in Jesus' day. And he goes to the Mecca of religion, apparently the whole week, the week of uh, Sukkot, which is the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles, which we've talked about before, and we'll go back to that text. But apparently the whole week, Jesus was bringing truth to Israel in an attempt to, to set people free. Apparently, even before Jesus showed up on the scene, Satan intended to keep the people in darkness. It was his intent that Jesus, that Jesus was aware of that's, that caused Jesus to begin to take action in the way that he did. So let's look at the context for this. In John chapter 7, back up to verses 10 through 13. 
This is what happens. Jesus was invited by his brothers to go with him to the Feast of Booths to show up in Jerusalem for this Feast of Tabernacles, uh, which he would do eventually, but he told his brothers he couldn't go with him. We'll find out why in a minute. But his brothers went, and it says in verse 10, but after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he went up also, but not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he's a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke publicly or openly about him. When Jesus' brothers went up to the feast earlier, he said the reason that he wasn't going early was because the Jews were looking to kill him because he spoke truth to them after his encounter with a with lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Do you all remember that encounter? We studied that already. He comes to Bethesda, and there's in, which is in Jerusalem. It's a pool, and, and there were multiple colonnades and multiple pools, but Jesus comes to this man and asks him if he wants to be healed, and he heals him. And he heals him because the Father was leading him to heal him. He makes that clear in, in John chapter 5. But he healed him on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees got upset. They started uh, addressing the issue with Jesus, and ultimately Jesus told him, I am the son of the father, which they hated because they, they called that blasphemy. How can he say he's the son of God? And, and see, Jesus addressed him and says, I only do what the father does. Whatever the father does, I do. I do nothing on my own. I'm just adjusting to what I see the Father doing. And they hated that and they accused him and, and, and got all over him about it. And ultimately they wanted to put him to death as a result of that encounter at the pool of Bethesda. And so Jesus says to his brothers when they invite him to go up to the feast with him. In verse 17 of chapter 7 in John, he says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. John chapter 5, verses 37 to 44. This is what he said. And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. Here's the truth that Jesus spoke, that their works were evil. Here it is. This is what he spoke. His voice, you have, he's telling the Pharisees this, the religious leaders. His voice, you have never heard. His form, you've never seen. And you don't have his word abiding in you if you don't believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from God? So, We see the condition that's going on here in Jerusalem. The people of Jerusalem have these two things that they're hearing from people. They hear about the man who was miraculously healed at the pool of Bethesda and and that Jesus is a good man. And then they hear this foolishness coming from people who have been offended by the truth when it was spoken by Jesus. They were wanting to know the truth about Jesus. They saw and heard all the uproar that happened when Jesus healed the man. And they had questions about him, but they couldn't talk openly about those questions. So how would Jesus respond to a people who want to know the truth? To a people who are stuck in this 
uh, on the fence, riding the fence about what's true about Jesus. Which, by the way, honestly, may be true for most of you, but definitely true for some of you here today. You're riding the fence and wanting to know what is true about Jesus because there's so many different religions teaching so many different things about who he is. And, and, and then there's, there's this whole, seems to be focus on being religious and making ourselves righteous in order to impress God. And is Jesus really, is what he's done for us and who he is enough? Is Jesus enough? And so what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus came to Jerusalem. He showed up. He came in private, but he ends up in public. He came to Jerusalem, and he revealed the truth, and he would let the chips fall where they would. So wherever you are, wherever they were in that day, Jesus comes into that situation, and he reveals truth, and then people have to make their decisions based on the truth he reveals. We're there today. You're going to hear truth about Jesus. You have a decision to make when this is over with. We don't have a decision time. We don't have an altar call. We have a decision time. When you hear truth, the decision time has come. So it's up to you to even hear truth. I hope you'll stay engaged long enough to hear what the Word says and to make application to your life. But then you also have a responsibility to act on it. So here's what happens. Jesus shows up in the middle of the feast. Verse 24, chapter 7. I'm sorry, 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If, anyone is, is, if anyone's will is to do God's will, then he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority speak, seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work. He's talking about the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And you marveled at it. Moses gave you circumcision, and not that it is from Moses, but from the father's. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So here's what happens. Jesus is revealing truth. First of all, he reveals truth through the healing of the man of Bethesda. He, He does a miraculous healing and reveals the truth of who he is. And that's, why, that's only, the only reason why the people in Jerusalem are even struggling with, is Jesus the Messiah or not? It's because he did this miraculous healing to show, to give proof. He did some, something miraculous to show them that he was the Messiah. So he's revealing truth in a way that they can receive it or reject it. And we find some receiving and some rejecting. And let me just say, some of you know this by experience, but Jesus still does the miraculous to reveal truth to us. It's not just to heal us so that we can have a nice little better life. If Jesus chooses to heal us or Jesus chooses to do some miraculous event in our lives, it is ultimately because he wants to reveal the truth about who he is. And so many times God does something miraculous in our life and we get so wrapped up in the event itself and we miss the fact that he is revealing himself to us. We heard testimony this morning before church with 
our worship team, we were talking, one of our members had talked about how God provided financially for her and her husband in this time. At a time when they needed it. And, and God said he would, he would in the scripture, and the next day did. In a miraculous way. Totally unexpected, miraculous way. Now, here's, here's the way we can respond to that kind of stuff. And many of you have had that kind of experience. We can respond to it by saying, well, thank God my bills are paid. Or thank God I get to do whatever it is or buy whatever it is I wanted to buy. And that's the end of it. When God is trying to reveal truth about himself, ultimately the fruit of that experience needs to be, should be, that we come to know God through the experience. We see the truth of who he is. If we don't, then we come to another need in the same area or some other area, and we don't know that God is faithful and able to take care of that need. And there were some people that did that. They saw the miraculous healing. <clears throat> they experienced it for themselves, and the city was in an uproar. But Jesus still does that. But then, not only did Jesus perform the miracle to reveal truth, but he also preached the truth in Jerusalem in a way that assured them that, that it was not him, it was God. And then they asked him, and he, he confesses it. This is not me, it's God. They heard that sermon that, some of you have heard sometime. It, or occasionally when I'm speaking, you get to hear a sermon that you know that doesn't come from me. Hopefully all the time, but I know that I know my limitations. But you hear that message and you know that it didn't come from the person who was speaking. It came from God and it was, it was God speaking through that person. And, and, and so Jesus reveals that by teaching in a way that didn't make sense because he wasn't educated like the Pharisees were. But it it resonated with the hearts of the people. And so they were confused because he was teaching something that was different than the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were saying that he was wrong. And so they had that side fighting against their souls that were crying out for more of this teaching. That they knew was real. That they knew had come from God. How could it not have come from God? And they started asking themselves, is he the Christ? And, And are the Pharisees trying to hide that from us? Y'all get that? Man, God wants to speak into your life, and there's no better way for you to know the truth about who he is, that he's personal, that he's loving, that he, that he cares about the details of your life, than for you to get close to him and listen when he speaks. And so Jesus speaks, he teaches in a way, and he still preaches the truth in a way that connects with the hearts of people, revealing the truth of who he is and how much he cares. And he does that to set us free, to get us out of the bondage. Another thing Jesus does is he answers the questions that are on the minds of those people to remove the doubt and set these people free. They ask a series of questions and and Jesus answers those questions. Jesus doesn't want us to just sit in doubt about him. And some of you might have been sitting for a long time wondering, who is Jesus really? Because so many people, so many voices in my head are telling me all these things about who he is. You might be that person that's living in, living, dwelling in sin, and I don't even know why you're here today, uh, but you showed up here, and, and, you're, and you're, you have that doubt about whether who Jesus is. And, and you have questions about him, and he wants to answer those questions. And some of you have been believers for a while, but... You, you're, you're grappling with all these things 
these, again, these voices in your head and you have doubts about him, he is the source of the answers to the questions that you're asking. He answers the questions to set us free. He doesn't answer the questions so that we can have uh, cool ideas about God that we can talk about and be, uh, seem knowledgeable to people. He answers them to set us free. So next in the sequence of events, in that particular day, Jesus encounters Jewish servants. And these Jewish servants were in bondage to the religious leaders who were just using them to accomplish their father's work. Their father being, and described by Jesus, by the way, later in the text. We don't have time to read it today, but go read the rest of the text. There's this ongoing dialogue between Jesus and, the, and religious leaders. But their father, who Jesus describes later that day as the devil himself. So he's talking to the religious leaders of the day, the people that everyone was worried about what they thought, and he says that their father is the devil. So anyway, you have these, these Jewish servants who are in bondage. In chapter, uh, verse 32 of chapter 7, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to be with him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I come, you cannot come. And the Jews said to, the one, to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by this saying, you will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? Pause there. They were saying to one another, they were saying this privately. This was the Jews who had come to arrest him, saying to one another, who is he and why is he saying that and what does it mean? And then Jesus not only answers their question, but he offers an invitation. Listen to what he says next in verse 37. On that day, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow li- rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom, he, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so Jesus offers life and truth and answers the questions of these who came actually to arrest him. You know, it's easy for us sometimes, and I think this is probably the biggest issue for us at the gathering place, is we're being set free from the bondage of our our religious past, and we're falling in love with Jesus, and we're coming to know him, and we're living life out of that, that passion for Christ, is that we start looking with judgment on those who are still stuck in religion. We, we have a lesson to learn here, man, if nothing else for this, this community. We need to hear this message because there are people who are still bound in religion. They're bound in the, in the throes of religious activity that there's not any ands, ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's been promoted to them in a way that it will gain their salvation for, from Christ. We might give a hint or a wink to the, the gospel message, but the way that, that we present The Christian life is that you earn things from God by your good behavior. This town is full of those people. And had it not been for Grace Walk and and Steve McVeigh and Jerry Bridges and Transforming Grace and godly people that he's put around me and godly men that I've been able to read 
their books, that I would never have discovered the truth about the grace of God in this context. Who's going to be that voice? Who's going to be those people that are out there sharing the beauty of the message of the fact that we do have a good, good father? That, that fact, and we were saying that this morning, man, how good is that? We celebrate that here. But there are people today that still feel like they're in bondage because they're, they are the servants of the system. Bill and I both talked this morning about, it's amazing how conversations are always centered around the message, but we were talking about this because Bill had been listening to some uh, Steve McVeigh teachings. And we were talking about how neither one of us would have been able to come out had we not left the system. We'd have come out partially, but we'd have been like these Jews who had these questions on both sides. We'd have been these people who had heard the message, the people heard the message, they saw something, they felt something, they experienced God and truth, but then they didn't receive it because this other message had been bombarding us week after week after week. And there are people in this town that need to come out of that. They need to come out of that system. This past week, I spent three and a half hours with a friend who's in a system. And he's seen the truth, and it's so hard for him to come out. And, and we talked for three and a half hours, and he was seeing light from Scripture and seeing God in a different light, which he had already begun doing that. God had been working his life. I was just confirming some things for him and encouraging him to come all the way out. And after we finished talking, I went and sat down and put my headphones on, and simple gospel was played. And I thought, man, I used to try to box you in. I used to try to say that Jesus was, was, was not a person, that he was all about the religious rules and regulations. I used to picture him and think that God hated me and judged me and condemned me, and he was constantly looking at me and, it, it, with disdain and, and with a uh, scowl on his face. And God never, never smiled at me or danced over me or sang over me like the Scripture describes it. But I received that invitation, and I took it. And I want to encourage you, man, if you are a servant, like I was a servant of the system. I was a pastor and minister in the system. Steve McVeigh came out of the system, and that's why I love his books, because he talks about my experience. Bill likes it for the same reason. Pastor of 24 years coming out of the experience and finding God. And it gives a whole new view of who God is. And that's what's happening here. There's this... There's this constant struggle between what the system is telling us and who God really is as he's revealed in Christ. And so Jesus is working and offering that even to those who came to arrest him. And by the way, they didn't arrest him. Instead, when they get back, the chief priests and Pharisees get all upset with them and they tell them why they didn't arrest him. Look at it. Verse 40 to 52. When they heard these, these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Is not the scripture said that Christ is come, comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. And the officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why didn't you bring him? And the officers answered, no one has ever spoke like this man. Truth was revealed. They saw the truth in what Jesus said. They felt the truth. 
in what Jesus said. No one has ever spoken like him. Why didn't you bring him? Because we're still struggling. We saw the truth. And so they didn't arrest him. The Pharisees answered them, Have you been de- also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or Pharisees believed in him? But, the crowd, uh, but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone before, uh, to him before, and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? All right, so here's what Nicodemus is saying. Remember Nicodemus came at night? Remember Nick at night? He showed up at night and he asked Jesus uh, what he had to do to be saved. And Jesus basically said, you got to start over again. Uh, you got to be born again. All of your religious past has to be done away with. Well, Nic- Nicodemus didn't receive Christ that night. But here's Nick who came to him earlier. And he's one of these judging Pharisees, member of the Sanhedrin. And he's standing here saying, maybe we should... Uh, you know, it'll be all right. Now, how do you think the Pharisees, who are determined to kill Jesus and encounter this message of grace and freedom, encounter the truth about who he is, how do you think they're going to respond to that? You see it up there, how they respond. Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophets arise from Galilee. And so they're trying to use the scripture against Jesus. Of course, he was born in Bethlehem, but he came there from Galilee. So Jesus revealed the truth to the people of Jerusalem to set them free. He revealed the truth to the servants of those who were trying to kill them, kill him, to set and catch him and to set them free. And next in the sequence of events, Jesus speaks the truth in our text for the day, where we start. He speaks the truth to set the sinner free. The woman caught in the act of adultery. She knew her condition. There was no doubt. And she had been judged by the Pharisees to be guilty. And she had been dragged and she had to, before Jesus. And she had a false impression of who God was. And, and if this, this was to happen today in a typical church, the, the churches that we, we gossip about and we drag people in our religious uh, churches and we look down our noses at them because we don't have their sin, because we, we are better than them in some way, because we're better at the righteous activities and we drag people into, into these settings and we judge them and we condemn them. We're no better. And what we need to find is who is Jesus? What's the truth about Jesus? Because this woman expected to find a God who would condemn her and zap her and, and allow them to kill her. And she does it. A sinner caught in the act of sin, ashamed, comes before, uh, is dragged before God with the expectation of losing her life. And she finds out the truth of who he is. And and Jesus reveals the truth that not only does he take care of her accusers, but he also says, I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. I don't accuse you. God doesn't accuse you. Go and sin no more. I'm setting you free. That's who I am. And so if if you're here today and you, you have never put your faith in Christ, you need to hear that message. Because I know in this town, I'm guilty Those of us who have been in the religious system and have promoted that system for years and years, we're guilty of, from our hearts, following the wrong thing and promoting this and and making you feel like God hates you. And the fact is, God loves you. He died for you. and He doesn't condemn you. He forgives you. 
It can't be bad enough for Jesus to say, you're not good. I got you. You're good because I'm going to give you goodness. I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to put it on you. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that God made him to become sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. We don't make ourselves righteousness. We have been made righteous by the blood of Christ, by the shed blood of Christ. So Jesus saves her. And she thought surely God was going to have her killed for her sin. But God incarnate was going to not only set her free from sin, but show her the truth about who he was. And then I don't want to leave out our final group in the story, the Pharisees. They were present at all these events where Jesus revealed himself. They, they saw him reveal truth through healing of, the healing of the man. They, they were present at all these events where he was answering questions. The Pharisees. But their hearts were hardened against the truth. But Jesus continued to speak truth to them. He continued to answer their questions. He continued to address them. He continued to, to speak truth and risk his own life. In the case of the woman caught in the act of adultery, they responded out of necessity because I don't know what Jesus said, but whatever it is, whatever he wrote in the sand, the big mystery, (laughs) you know, Jesus leans down and writes in the sand. I don't know what he wrote, but I've got some speculations. I don't want to speculate in a way that's not consistent with Scripture. So I'll give you one of the speculations I've had this past week that I know is consistent. When, when they dragged this woman caught in the act of adultery before Jesus, first of all, you've got to ask the question, how did they know to, where she was and where, that she was having adultery with somebody? How did they catch her in the act? Good chance they probably knew who was with her. Good chance it was probably one of the Pharisees. Good chance. Now, that's speculation. But what is truth is that they took a, they took a portion of the truth and they lied. They dragged her before Jesus and says, Moses said that this woman should be stoned to death. Well, let's read what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 22. What happens? This is truth. I got a feeling that Jesus wrote something out of this passage in the sand. Here's what it says. If a man, starts off there, is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman. You shall purge the evil from Israel. Where's the man? There's no man being drugged to Jesus and being accused. I don't know who the man was. I don't know if they knew the man. I don't know what they were doing. But they made a terrible mistake in trying to act like God doesn't know the truth. He knows the truth and he reveals the truth. And I think when he wrote down in the sand, he, he probably wrote, when a man or both should be put to death. You know, something probably out of that passage he wrote in the sand, taking the truth, revealing the truth in the sand. Because those guys, as soon as he said, let the one that's without sin cast the first stone, they all dropped their stones. He might have wrote their names. I don't know. That's speculation. But just know, know, this is what the church does. This is what religion does. What religion does is religion comes to us and tells us Their interpretation of truth, which is not truth. Truth comes from one place. Jesus is the truth. Right? John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is found in the person in this story. 
The truth is found in everything that Jesus does and everything that Jesus says. And it is contradictory to everything that the Pharisees were teaching and saying. So the Pharisees were hearing the truth. Jesus was dialoguing with them. And in the text, he continues his dialogue with religious leaders in an attempt to reveal truth. And the story is filled with rejection after rejection of the truth. Some people still respond to the truth about Jesus that way. It doesn't matter how many miraculous signs they see, how many moving messages they hear, how many times God's Spirit speaks through the Word when they read it, how many accurate answers are given to the questions, truth answers are given to the questions that they ask, they hear. And no matter how much their practices contradict the truth, they will never believe in Jesus. Don't respond that way. Don't respond that way. Don't, don't respond in a way that judges the truth, that judges Jesus and who he is. We've been looking at Jesus for a whole, however many, since January. Story after story of Jesus' encounters with, with people. And we are discovering truth when we see Jesus. And the truth is, week after week, we keep hearing Jesus addressing this problem that exists in our town. And that is that we need to let go of anything that hinders us, anything that we are trying to, to, to hold on to, to qualify ourselves as good Christians and to hold on to Jesus. We need to release that stuff and hold on to Jesus with everything we got. Come to know him, read about him, study him, talk to him, listen to him. His Holy Spirit lives in you, wants to communicate truth about who he is to you. Jesus wants to set us free. So finally, a word for those of us who believe in Jesus and those who did believe in Jesus in this story. Look at what he says in John chapter 8, verses 30 and 32. And he was saying these, as, and as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Good news, folks. Some of these people saw the truth and believed in him. Many, the Bible says, and I don't know how many, but many. Many of the people weighed the two and said, we're going with the truth. We believe because of what we've seen and what we've heard in him and what we've encountered in him, we believe that he is speaking the truth, even though it contradicts everything we grew up hearing, even though it contradicts everything this culture and this community and this town is promoting, even though this is the Mecca of Pharisaicalism. We don't, we're, we're choosing to believe what we have encountered in Jesus. He is defining truth for us. And so he says to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, anybody hear a familiar word? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus gives a final word that abiding in his word would bring continued revelations of truth about who he is. It's not enough for us just to know the truth about the gospel. That is the truth that we are saved by faith in Christ. That he died for our sins and he offers us his righteousness in place of ours. But there's so many truths about who God is that we are discovering by experience as we obey him in our daily activities. As we, as we ask for God's help and we become more sensitive to the moment by moment promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives as he leads us to, to act and, and to react in certain ways. And as we, as we ask him questions and he answers those questions about how should we go 
uh, what job should we take? What, should we do uh, school, more school? Should, how should I handle this, this strife that I'm feeling between my wife and myself or, or between my kids and myself? Everything in life, what do I do about the fact that there's not enough money for us to do what we're planning on doing? God, what do we do about that? Who are you in that? And then God comes and says, I'm your provider. And then the next day gives it to you. That's how we discover truth about God. Jesus says, if you who have believed in me will abide in my word, then you will know the truth. Not know as in an intellectual kind of know. The same word that Paul uses, a gnosko kind of know, a knowledge by experience. You will know that you know that you know. And no one will be able to take it away from you because you saw it, you heard it, you experienced it, it's yours. And the Word says it. You will know. That's abiding in my Word. And you will be set free. Man, I want our church to be set free. I desperately want us to know we have a good, good Father by experience so that we can tell that to the community around us. Our, our community needs people who understand who God is. We, we need, this community needs you to know the truth and to spread the truth about who Jesus is. Man, that's what I want for my life. It's what I want for your life. It's contagious because he's contagious. And when people get to know Jesus, they don't want anything else. It's all they want. I know you guys do. And so let's, let's commit to that today. Let's, let's bow as we close. And let's, let's make application of what we heard today. Let me just ask some questions as we close. How many times is Jesus going to do miraculous things in your life before you're going to re- re- understand that he is able to take care of you, to provide for you, to heal you, before it's him and not you? How many times are you going to have an, an encounter where you hear the word, or, or read the word, and truth is revealed to you, and you know that it's from God, and it fills your heart. How many times is that going to happen before you're going to quit doubting that Jesus really is personal and wants to speak to you, wants to walk with you, and release whatever bondage you're in, religious bondage you're in? How many times is he going to answer the questions regarding the doubts that you have about him? And you still not be set free. How long are you going to be like me and Bill and serve the system before you release that and trust that he's better? He's better than that. And get get a new system, one that walks with the truth. How long are you going to resist? How long are you going to fight against the truth for the sake of the religious junk that you've been holding on to? Those are real questions, not rhetorical questions. You need to answer those today. You're going to have to before you leave. If you, don't, if you say, I don't, well, then you've answered. And just deal with this. And we need to be set free today. This is the 4th of July. The week of the 4th of July, and we're going to celebrate our independence from the system. We're going to celebrate the truth that we've discovered about our God. So let's do that today as we worship, as we close. You just cry out to God and surrender your life to Him.
Surrender whatever it is you're holding on to, the system, to him today as we worship together and sing.